Hello, uh, buenas tardes. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I hope you like uh, my talk. This is the last one. We are, everyone, a little bit tired. Uh, but to, today, I'm going to talk about the Stencil, uh, which is this open source project we have been working for the last few years. And in general, I have a compiler that can help you uh, build better applications, and in general, uh, most specifically, these design systems. So my name is Manu, and I work as a software engineer at Ionic which is the, the team that builds Ionic Framework and Stencil itself. So um, we basically are a company, a tooling company, that want to, build, to help web developers uh, build applications 100% based on web technology. So, uh, okay. so before getting into too much detail, uh, I want to start with a true history. Is that 12 years ago, uh, JavaScript was not what it is today. It was a mess. Uh, different browsers have different behavior, Internet Explorer, uh, Netscape, and JavaScript itself lacked um, the high-level APIs that today we consider basic. So it was really hard to write complex applications on top of it. Um, then something happened. You could appear, and it came to solve all the problems that JavaScript had at that time. It normalized the behavior between browsers and provided a higher uh, set of APIs. So uh, that actually some of them are part of the, of the web today, like query selector. So, but the biggest innovation is that it allowed JavaScript to grow as a language and allow to, to be used for more complex applications, not just like some simple form validation. And in fact, my company built Codica, which one, was one of the first design systems, uh, sorry, drag and drop tools for UI components. And it was uh, based in jQuery Mobile. So in order to instantiate and create these components, you will have to use the imperative API of uh, jQuery. So it worked, but uh, it was not great. And some years later, Angular years appear, and the JavaScript ecosystem was a little bit healthier. So the problem is that uh, JavaScript had to, uh, Angular JS had to solve was not the same ones. Uh, it doesn't only provide a higher level, uh, higher level APIs, but a way of working, a way of organizing, a set of good defaults. What Today, we know as a framework. So that helped JavaScript to, to grow even more. And introduced the concept of directives. That, that was mind-blowing to us. And it was closer to our idea of, of components. So we were so excited about it that we decided to port everything we got uh, into, into this new system, because it was a big step forward. And that's how Ionic was born. Then uh, Angular DS, uh, the Angular team announced Angular 2. And it was, was going to be faster, smaller, mobile first, everything. Uh, so AngularJS worked so great for us that we just decided to make the investment. And that's how Ionic 2, Ionic 3 was born. So even though the name is the same, it would require a complete refactor. And think about that this is already the third time that we have to code the same components. And today, well, the ecosystem is completely different. There are many frameworks and alternatives, and all of them are great. It just depends on your own preferences, uh, your, team, your team, your skills, your product, or even what's just easier for hiring in a specific country. So going back to our mission as a company, that we want to help all the web developers, not uh, the ones using uh, a specific framework. So we start thinking about how we could achieve that, how we could, uh, if we have to port these 100 components to every popular framework of today and maybe tomorrow, 
And of course, the answer is not. We know that we have to go through this refactor many, many times, and we know that that's not going to happen. It's so time-consuming, and we quickly realize this is not going to be the solution. So we have to think about something else. Um, and think like frameworks are great for um, building uh, final products. Even if you say that React is not a framework, it is. They built a framework on, around it, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it uh, includes a create React app, a router, a way of organizing, a way of testing, a set of good defaults. And that makes sense, because that allows you to um, focus into building your product. You don't have to make these hundreds of micro decisions every single time. So, uh, so yeah, and not remain the wheel, the, the wheel every time. So, but at the same time, they are terrible for building reusable components. And you might say that this is working for you today. I mean, it did for us. But at some point, you might want to use a different technology, or your use cases change, or you just want to serve your component with more people. And not all the people will use the same framework. So the point of building reusable components is to last in time, right? So it's pretty much like investment you make to allow you to build faster in the future. So you should build them on top of future-proof technologies, the web, just the web. That doesn't change. So the solution of this problem, uh, of course, is web components. But again, this is really important. Web components does not, not solve any other problem. It's just universal model of components. And even if you like it or not, it will work. So I'm sorry for reactites sometimes, but this is, will work. You can go around it. So what uh, I said, it doesn't handle anything else. So you still, uh, I, I believe that frameworks will exist forever. They will not be replaced in the same way that Angular and React and Vue does not replace the APIs, the web APIs of today. They just live together. And of course, we know in the past that some APIs, web APIs that break, they remove sometimes. But there is something in common for APIs that have a full consensus across uh, browsers, as is that they will be around forever. So even if, um, yeah, so think about a website you built 20 years ago. Uh, it still works today, because the web can break. I mean, a framework can break, but the web can't. So um, if you build a web component with it, it will still work in the future framework. So around that idea um, of we, want, we don't want to make the decision of the framework you have to use. Because you, we don't know your product. We just build the components. So around that idea, we uh, create Ionic 2. Uh, the latest Ionic, Ionic 4, is based in web components. And this fourth refactor is very different. Because this time, uh, we didn't build on top of the Angular DS directives or the Angular components. This time, it's built on top of standard web APIs. They are just web components that extend the HTML. So, um, but when, before doing that, we found that, as I said, like web components have very little label API. It, says it doesn't solve any other thing. So um, what happens when a software engineer has to deal with a, you know, with a low label API? Well, they just create an abstraction. And that usually comes with a new problem and uh, the shape of overhead. But I'm not saying it's a performance overhead. It's a knowledge. It's a, Runtime locking. You are not you are not longer building on top of this fixed web API. You are building on top of something else that can break and change. So we start thinking about what will be the sweet spot here. Uh, what if the abstraction is a compiler time, meaning that there is not any specific framework, uh, any specific runtime. So you ship your component, but it doesn't come with a 
well-defined runtime. Instead, the compiler will take your components and generate the best possible uh, the source code, I mean, and it will uh, generate the best possible component. Uh, this has worked for decades. Like, compiled languages like C and Rust, and uh, they, they, they don't have to care when uh, Intel releases a new CPU, or they have to target a dif uh, different uh, CPU architecture. Instead, they just use a different uh, compiler, or uh, they upgrade the existing one. And that's exactly where Stencil is. It's a build-time abstraction. It's a compiler for the web. Uh, as technology, the web will be this always moving target. Uh, the, sorry, the, 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 the web will be the hardware, this always moving target, and Stencil, the compiler, taking your components uh, and using the newest, new, newest APIs uh, without developers having to make any single change. So the idea is that we are not only able to generate highly optimized components, we will see later, but avoid making any kind of breaking change. And this is really important for us. It's the main uh, use case, because we, are, uh, we have already gone through all these refactors. And um, our main use case is to build reusable components, design, implement design systems, and being future-proof. So we have designed, designed the API of compiler of uh, Stencil to restrict ourselves to a standard interfaces, like classes and properties, HTML attributes, and DOM events. We are don't try to have a stencil way of doing things. Um, so uh, this way, we can keep changing how the compiler works, uh, the optimizations we apply, and using new, uh, new APIs without uh, requiring developers to make any change. So for example, Let's say that uh, next year, Chrome uh, ships a new feature that is a built-in VDOM, or some kind of template system that is going to be built into the browser, and it's going to be much faster because, well, it's uh, probably uh, programming in C++ or whatever they use. Um, and you don't have to zip any JavaScript, right? So in a stencil, that could happen, and you will not have to make anything. We will just tear your component uh, and change how that thing works. So even there is not a specific render. Like even, you know, like we are not using some specific render, render. we could change it. So um, in addition, we can support our browsers in the same, the same idea. Like, uh, like a C compiler can, different, uh, can generate different targets for different browsers. Uh, for, a C compiler can, can generate code for different architectures. We can do the same for different browsers without uh, developers having to think about it. So for example, uh, the modern build, most of your users actually using Chrome, Firefox, um, um, Safari, modern browsers uh, will get the smallest bundle without any kind of polyfill, without uh, using modern uh, JavaScript features like native uh, async await or ES modules. And all browsers, well, if you had to support them, uh, like Internet Explorer, you will get a little bit bigger ES5 bundles. And this is an example of the same component. It's iron button. Uh, it's pretty much a button with uh, material design and iOS styles. Um, the stencil, the compiler, generates up to eight different versions. But that doesn't mean that the, the, the client will have to download all these six files. In fact, it's just going to download one of them. So we can see that some files have the ES5 prefix, or yeah. So that means that it's ES5 is all uh, code. Uh, SC means that for browser that doesn't support Outdom. But in any case, this way we can cover the whole spectrum of browsers in the most efficient way. And 
we can provide that, and we can do it with the best uh, developer experience, the one you are used to it. Because think about it. We built a stencil for us, and obviously, we used frameworks before. So we wanted to be productive in the same way. We are not telling our engineers to write, uh, you know, uh, like assembly, uh, you know, like <laughs> assembly for a web. That will be the, the web components. But um, have these uh, this services, like service worker generation, pre-rendering, uh, fast incremental builds, like a deep integration with TypeScript and their types. Uh, and, you know, doc generation, we take the static analysis of these components, and we can even generate, auto-generate a readme that, you know, you just deploy your docs in, the, in GitHub without having to make any change. Or we have a JSON output where we can integrate with things like uh, Storybook or uh, your custom web generator. So for example, uh, for the docs of uh, Ionic in the website, we use the JSON target that outputs all the information. And even, uh, like, as a bonus, we even parse the CSS, and we extract the CSS variables that you might use. Because this was a big deal for us. And you know, like we have visual uh, diff testing. We use Puppeteer under the hood. Everything, this is already done. You don't have to. Um, implement these things and configure these things. So we have built this. In this example, uh, my colleague, uh, Randy, they fixed uh, some issue <laughs> with uh, ion, ion input. And here's the diff, and we can review that very easily. Um, but the idea is that we can have web components that still have uh, framework-level features. Uh, today, I'm <laughs> announcing a big milestone in development, uh, development of Stencil, uh, Stencil 1. And you might be wondering we are using, uh, we are not using numbers, just like 1.0. Uh, but because Stencil 1 is, uh, is incremental, it's not an incremental release. Uh, it's a consolidation, consolidation of the API. Stencil was initially built to solve the problems at uh, Ionic, but it ended up solving a lot more problems for a lot more people. So during the last six months, we have been uh, collecting all this feedback for thousands of developers and using it to consolidate this API that we, uh, that we are proud of. Um, in addition, we have a new runtime, a uh, new compiler. So one of the most uh, interesting things about the Stencil is that when you, the Stencil is about components, right? So you are not using it most of the time to create an app, right? Uh, so how will you handle the lazy loading? Because most of the time, it's about routing. It's a routing-based uh, lazy loading. But here, we can have that. So instead, we took a different approach. It's a component-based lazy loading. Because we want to use a stencil to build these components, but they will be used in different places. They will might be used in React. We have Ionic React, uh, Ionic Angular. Uh, they have different ways of lazy loading. So in order to do that, Stencil is able to perform this static analysis of uh, how the components depend on each other and apply the best optimizations. And developers doesn't have to deal with it. So um, in Stencil 1, we have a new algorithm uh, inspired by a machine learning technique called word embeddings. And I'm going to explain because it's kind of weird. But the thing is that our use case, um, all the components are entry points. Because we don't know how they are going to be used. So uh, like traditional packing algorithms, uh, like the one using in Webpack or, or Rollup, you will just generate a different bundle for, this application, for each component if you want to lazy load them. So if you have 20 different components at the same time, you will have to download 20 different files. So we came up with a new algorithm to, to make this easier. So uh, in this image, we have nine components. Uh, and we use numbers to name them. 
but uh, you could imagine then has page login, page tutorial, iron button, wherever. So thanks to the static analysis, as I said before, like, uh, of how components depend of each other, like how they are using the templates, we can extract information of the dependencies between components. And that's what these lines uh, represent. All right, so the next step is to resolve the transitive dependencies. So for example, if uh, we know that the component one depends on three, and if three depends on six, that means that by the transitive property, that one uh, also depends on six. Oh, damn it. OK? Makes sense? Everyone? Yes? yes. OK. Uh, so we keep, we, we basically do the same with all the components, OK? Uh, so let's focus on the component number nine. It has a, a lot of arrows pointing to it. That means that it has a lot of dependents. But some components like five doesn't have any. OK, let's focus again on the component number nine. Uh, as I said, each arrow represents a dependent. So in this case, we collect the dependents of nine. So in, yeah, it's three, one, six, four, and two, right? The, where these lines are coming from. And we do the same with uh, all of them. Uh, understood? Yeah? Yes? OK. <laughs> so let's focus again in the component number nine, that were for, for example. So we have, we, let's get um, the dependencies. So uh, we, got, we get already all the data, but we just have to uh, encode it in different data structure. Uh, so what if we could, what if we com convert these dependencies of each component into a vector, just like word embeddings do with words? So we have, uh, so uh, for example, uh, the component number, uh, let's, let's encode one, let's put a one when it's a dependent, and a zero when it's not. So one, it's a component, it's a dependent or not? It is, right? Yeah. Okay, so one, two, three, four is as well, but five, five is not. We don't have any arrow pointing to six. So we will encode with zero. Uh, six, it is, and seven, eight, uh, Nine is not, OK? Well, we do the same with all the components. And we get an array of vectors. So <laughs> when we had transpile and transform our components to vector or coordinates, we could imagine them as points in a space. Uh, in here is a 3D space, but you could imagine them as, uh, you know, with more dimensions. The core idea is to group together the components that are close enough in this space. But in order to know if they are close enough or not, we just have to calculate the distance. And how do we calculate the distance? Well, here's my friend Pythagoras, philosopher, mathematician, the ancient Greek. Uh, you should follow him, he's a really smart guy. Uh, that came up with this uh, famous algorithm that you probably remember from school uh, that relates the legs uh, of a triangle with their hypotenuse. I have practiced this word a lot. Uh, so in this, in this example, the hypotenuse is exactly the distance between the two blue circles. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not here to scare you, I uh, promise, but in our case, a little bit more complicated. Well, there's uh, more than two dimensions, uh, but the idea is the same. Turns out we can use the generalization of the Pythagorean theorem to solve this problem, and that's exactly where uh, this uh, fucker is, sorry. Uh, so we calculate the distance between uh, all the points, even if there are 100 dimensions. So going back here, we just bundle everything. Uh, and this, we have tested this approach in um, both internal and external apps, and we have found that it's much better than anything we have tried in the past. In, in big app, it generates uh, bundles better that if a developer will have to try to 
bundle these 100 components in the most efficient way, because most of the things are ch the conditions are changing. Um, so this is done. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, like now imagine that preferably optimized bundles, and we can even generate hints. So browser can download uh, and parse all the assets that your application need. Uh, 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 yeah, in the critical path. So in this example, we have the module preload uh, for all the JavaScript because we use uh, modules natively. Um, so all the JavaScript required in the critical path is download, uh, like uh, yeah, in parallel. I would say yeah. Okay. Uh, so another thing is a faster runtime. Uh, we have profile and refactor the runtime to be much smaller and faster execution time. So the new runtime uh, avoids patterns like uh, optimization killers and pro the async away, uh, the async schedule. Uh, we use newer APIs like constructible style sheet. We use native async, uh, async modules, uh, async await. Uh, so in this benchmark, we have uh, 800,000 8, iron buttons components. And you might look like it's a simple component, but under the hood, uh, it has a lot of classes, a lot of nested components that will try to replicate the material design and iOS uh, designs. So in this stress test, we are actually adding 200,000 nodes to the DOM. Uh, historically, it took six seconds to fully initialize the app. Uh, with Stencil 1, it's um, three seconds, and it uses pretty much half the memory, which is, uh, yeah. So two times faster and, yeah, false RAM. Uh, OK, let's continue. Uh, another advantage of fusion a compiler is that we are not longer limited by our, by the, you know, by tree seeking to remove parts of code that are not required. So instead, we can compile all this metadata that we have with tree seeking in order to heavily optimize uh, components. So uh, a Hello World app compiled with a stencil, it's uh, so small you can barely see it. It's just 133 bytes uncompressed. Uh, well, why it's so small? Because it doesn't have any, I mean, what? it's a hello world, right? It doesn't need any runtime. So the, the compress is even smaller. Uh, but here, the important idea is that while a hello world example isn't really an artificial example, we are really proud about the power of a compiler can do, applying heavy optimizations and completely remove what is not needed in specific browsers. If it's needed in some browsers, it will also include that. So, um, these optimizations can also apply to bigger uh, use cases, like uh, a complex application built with Ionic, or the like, almost like a standard uh, to-do MVC. So, in our case, it's just 2.4 uh, kilobytes. Um, and to put a little bit more context, uh, well, uh, in the same application built with different technology, uh, we feel really proud about what we have achieved. And all of this without meshing with your no modules. Uh, you probably have seen this image before, I think. Yeah, in the first talk, we also see it. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a good example. It's, uh, usually, no modules is heavier than a supermassive black hole. When you're installing it, it might take a couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, so this is, but in general, it's a big problem today. Not only because there is a dependency hell in, uh, every, in every project. You don't know which code is running, actually. Uh, there is an unhealthy dependency in package, ma in, in package, in package managers. Like, I'm, I have nightmares with uh, like npm apocalypse or something like you can download anymore uh, anything. So yeah, there is many things moving on, like moving parts in our web projects. 
And developers already find creative ways to get around and get some space in their computer. So, um, sorry. <laughs> so one of the design principles of a stencil is to keep dependencies to the minimum. So it doesn't only make the installing, installing experience much faster, but your project more future-proof and stable. It's not, the f if it's not the first time, at, at least for us, that a dependency of that dependency change and finding a solution becomes a problem. For example, I think uh, for Node SAS, uh, you update to Node uh, 12 and it stops working. So yeah, it's this kind of thing, like tons of dependencies. So for instance, if you open Node modules in a stencil starter, you will only find two folders, uh, stencil and TypeScript. Here at Berlin, we have the largest stencil drawing in the world, the Cosmonaut. Because a stencil is a tool you, you use to paint something, uh, but it's not longer there. Right? Uh, you can use the same stencil uh, many times, but it's never part of the final product. And that's why a stencil has the name it has. It's like my, my, my Max, my uh, CEO, uh, said, um, it's like creating a stencil for components. And we said, that's it. Um, when you build a component with a stencil, I mean, sorry, when you build a component with other livery, uh, lead element, React, Angular, Vue, your components you upload to NPM have a strong dependency in this, in this framework and in this particular uh, version of the framework. Right? But uh, the components you generate with a stencil, they are not the stencil components. They don't have a dependency on the stencil. So, um, they, yeah, so they don't even depend on it. Uh, now, I, if I have time, I really bit, uh, have time. Yeah. So I have a quick demo of how easy it is. Uh, let's see if I can. I don't know. Let's see very quickly. I don't know. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. All right. Okay, so um, yeah, so we have the terminal. We just run MP init stencil. We run it. Uh, we select, we are going to create a simple app, but most of the times it's component, an app, gsconf. Uh, yes, done, yes, it's already downloaded. You don't have to, it's already downloaded, started, and we run MP uninstall for you. So. When you select the, the uh, starter, we already start. So while you were typing the name, we already start downloading everything. So now we just go here, npm start. I'm using Edge, actually. <laughs> so, uh, so for example, uh, here we have a very simple application. Uh, we, can, uh, we have this, these features I told before about um, uh, like framework level features. So if I open the code and I try to make any change, even though these are web components, I can uh, have uh, like a hold module, hold module replacement. So for example, here um, I'm just going to make it was just going to make the change the uh, button from profile page to hello page safe. Uh, and you know you may want to run the, the docs. Well, you just will go here and uh, in the configuration, and you will create an output target like type docs 
I'll say we have docs.json, docs.readme. So if you have that and you run the build, it will generate as a, a readme file in every, like in here, in this folder, in this folder, in this folder, with the static analysis of these components. Uh, let's say you want to pre-render the page. Uh, well, this is, uh, this is something that you will not expect with web components. Well, here you will just, uh, let me see if I, this is running. Uh, no, it's stop. Oh, no, it's here. Okay, let's stop it. So I will say npm run build pre-render. In this case, it will run a prod build, and it will just uh, actually create the readme file, and it pre-rend two pages. Well, we have, remember, the profile page on that one. And yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. OK. Uh, yeah, so you, I really encourage you to uh, check it out. Stencilgs.com, or just npm init stencil, and give it a try. Uh, yeah, it's like magic. Uh, so. <laughs> Thank you.